Okay, well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn in it to 2 Timothy. If you don't have your Bible, you can grab your bulletin, because the scripture we're going to be looking at is printed there on the inside back cover. There's also a place to take notes there as well. We'll be looking at the rest of verse 2 today. And I'm going to be reading 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 and 2, so we can remember where we've been. Thank you, Danny, Cynthia. We really appreciate you both. Yeah, Lord bless you. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Friends, listen, this is God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word. So, in January, we resolve together that we want to become people who celebrate. Right? Have you joined this? Have you resolved this with me? Right? To become people who celebrate? Um, we want to be done letting our situations dictate how we feel. We want to be done letting our circumstances tell us if we should be happy or not. Um, we want to learn how to celebrate God and other people no matter what situation that we're in. And what better way to learn this than from the Apostle Paul? the man who wrote this letter, who was stuck in the Mamertine prison in Rome, right? You remember this? In this cold, wet prison, right? That had a hole in the ground where they would lower the worst prisoners to the lower level, and they were chained to this pillar on the left-hand side, right? Paul's prison cell was connected to the city's sewer system. He was waiting either to be drowned in Rome's toilet water or to be executed and have his head chopped off. And yet, in the midst of this miserable situation, Paul writes a letter to Timothy that is filled with celebration. Right? How did he do it? How did Paul do it? How did he celebrate? We've been answering that question, right? In the last two weeks, we've seen this in the first two verses. In the greeting, we see Paul's secret to celebrating in any situation or circumstance. It's as though when Paul was there, he asked himself two questions that we can ask ourselves. He said, who am I? This is a question of identity. He says, verse one, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And so Paul's identity was first and foremost defined by his relationship with God. He had this relationship with God and that made a difference in everything. Paul could say, I know God. He knows me and that matters to me more than anything else. Right? So Paul said, who am I? And he had an answer for that. And then he said, why am I here? Right? Why am I here? This is a question of mission. And we saw this last week in verse 2 when he writes, to Timothy, my beloved child. Right? Paul's mission was to disciple other people, to encourage other people. And so in prison, he remembered, that's what I'm here for. And he wrote to Timothy. He reached out to him. And as we've looked, again, the last two weeks, we saw how Paul's answers to these questions affect and apply to our lives. Well, today we're going to finish verse 2 and look specifically at the gospel message that Paul gave to Timothy. This is the message that he shared. Okay, and as we look at this message, we're going to answer three questions today. 
Okay, three questions about the message that Paul shared and the story that we celebrate. These questions are in your bulletin with a blank to fill in. And so the first question is, what does the gospel give? Right? What does the gospel actually give? When you believe in Jesus, what do you get? Right? What does God give to us? What does Paul give to Timothy? Well, verse 2 tells us. If you read the end of verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my beloved child, colon, here it is, grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace. This is what the gospel gives. You've got to understand, this isn't, just a throwaway, this isn't just a throwaway way of saying hi. Okay? How often do you read the Bible, you open it up, and you kind of rush through these verses, right? Because it's like, oh, this is just Paul to Timothy, Paul to whatever, you know? But I want to get to the good stuff. Well, this is actually the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Paul isn't just filling space. Paul is giving Timothy the gospel. He's giving Timothy the good news. And the gospel gives grace, mercy, and peace from God. There's something really exciting about the way that the Bible uses these three words. Okay, this phrase, grace, mercy, and peace, is a three-word summary of the entire Bible. Okay? I mean, how, have you read the whole Bible? How would you outline it? <laughs> right? 66 books written by over 40 authors over 1,500 years. Right? And yet, and yet, the Bible is a unified story. And grace, mercy, and peace tell the story of the Bible. Okay, they tell the story of the Bible. This is Paul's summary of the message of the entire thing. It's like if you held Paul in a, um, if you got him in an elevator, right? And you said, Paul, what's the Bible about? He'd say grace, mercy, and peace. Okay, the Bible's a unified story. It's, it's the story of a creator God, the creator God who made a good world for his children to enjoy. And this creator God is at work to bring healing and renewal until all sin is conquered, until the world is exactly the way God intended it to be. That's the story of the Bible. And these three words, grace, mercy, and peace, they summarize this story. They tell you the beginning, the middle, and the end of this story. Um, this is the message. Um, if you're going to, again, outline the Bible, these are the three Roman numerals in the outline of the Bible. It's the message and it's the story that God wants us to hear every time we read it. Okay, every time you spend time with God by reading the Bible, he wants you to remember grace, mercy, and peace. Uh, these three words summarize everything that moved Paul, that changed his life, and that made him celebrate. And it's the message that is a story that can move us to celebrate in any situation in life. Okay, these are not throwaway words. These words will change you in every way. So what are they? Um, let's talk about them. Okay, got a chart. First, I want to just underscore the importance of these words. So grace, mercy, and peace. The number of times they're found in the Bible. 222, grace. Mercy, 260. Peace, 275. That's a lot. That's a lot. These are the most important words in the Bible. And they're repeated so often because this is the story that God is telling. 
okay? And so let's talk about the meaning of these words, and we'll hit these one by one. Let's start with grace. Right? Trying to summarize these words is important because if you don't understand these words, you can't experience them, or you might not know when you're experiencing God's presence in your life. Okay, grace, simply put, grace means favor. Grace means favor. It's God's favor. Grace is the reality that God is for you. That God is for you. There are people who think that God is an angry father up in heaven, just wanting and just needing an excuse to squash you. Um, there are people who think that God is up in heaven, rolling his eyes in extreme disappointment because you screwed up again. But the Bible uses the word grace 222 times because the Bible wants to make sure, God wants to make sure that you understand that God is on your side. That's what grace is. Grace is the reality that when God looks on the world, he loves the world. God loves the world. He loves sinners. Right? As bad as you can get, God loves them, them too. Right? As bad as you can describe, God loves the world. And his heart's desire is to reach the world. He is for you. Okay? Let me just give you a verse um, that I think is a really wonderful expression of this. It's Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor, that's the word grace, and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God delights to give us what we need. Often delights to give us even the things that we want. And so this is grace. Right? The second word, mercy. Um, one great way to uh, translate this is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Mercy is actually the word that translates a Hebrew word that some of you may have heard before. Okay, it's the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. Anybody heard that word before? I mean, it kind of, it's one of those that sort of like spills into the vernacular. Um, hesed is, is a word that's translated um, God's loving kindness, right? This, this sort of benevolent love that God has, but it's not just, because that sounds a lot like grace, right? And in some ways there's overlap with these words, but what, what mercy brings to bear, mercy also talks about God's loving kindness in fulfilling his promises, in fulfilling his promises. And so sometimes this word mercy is translated covenant faithfulness, okay? That God is faithful to his covenant. He's faithful to his promises, specifically his promises to save us from our sins. Okay, because from the fall, from the fall, God has pledged, God has pledged that he will save and redeem his people. God has said that if you will turn to me, I will save you from your sins. And the chief blessing that comes from that is forgiveness is forgiveness. And so it's like God is favorably disposed to the world, and then when the world rejects him, when the world turns away from him, when the world runs after other things, sometimes unintentionally, but a lot of times intentionally, just doing its own thing and telling God, look, I don't have time for you, God's response is mercy. God's response is a promise that if you return to me, I will forgive you. 
I will forgive you. And so this, here's an amazing verse that sort of brings, I think, the fullest expression of what mercy is. It's Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. Listen to this. It says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. Okay, so God doesn't like play favorites. He doesn't look around and go, oh, I want the biggest nation. He's like, no, 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 no. God set his love on you and you were the fewest. You were the fewest of all the peoples. Verse 8, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Right? So it's this promise from God that he will save us from, from slavery. He'll, slave, he'll, he'll save us um, from addiction. He'll save us from, um, from the sins that bind us, that get into our hearts, from the pride, from the, from the lust, from the selfishness. From just, he will save us from those things. He will buy us out. And then verse 9 says, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So this is God's mercy, right? This is who God is, right? This is what the gospel gives, right? This is a promise given to Israel, but the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, the same covenant faithfulness, the same promise of redemption will come true in your life as well. And so grace and mercy, and then we have peace. Peace. Now this translates another Hebrew word that I'm guessing more of you have heard. It's the word shalom, right? Show of hands, shalom, heard this? Yeah, right? This one is even an English word, you know, it's in the dictionary. Um, shalom means peace, right? But, but it's, it means no matter what happens, everything is going to be okay. Right? Can you receive that? The Bible says God gives us his peace. Paul wishes that Timothy would have grace, mercy, and peace. Isn't it amazing that someone stuck in a prison waiting to die would offer someone else the comfort that no matter what is going on, everything is going to be okay. This is the peace of God despite our sins, despite all the time that we've spent living apart from God, despite the times that we've run from God, despite all the ways that we've hurt other people, because of God's grace and his mercy, we now have God's peace. When you follow Jesus, you receive God's peace. He is our Father. We are his children and it's this assurance of peace that inspires and empowers us to follow Jesus in every situation. It is this peace that gets tapped into when you see people who are suffering and somehow they're not undone. Right? I mean, God knows. And sometimes, friends, sometimes the suffering gets bad um, and it gets so bad and, and sometimes I think God allows us to stay there because he wants us to actually experience that his peace is enough. 
even when we're suffering. It doesn't make it easy, but it certainly puts us on the road where we can follow after Paul, who was able to celebrate in his situation. And so when I think about peace, I think about calm, quiet, finished, finished. In some ways, there's, there's nothing else that needs to be done because Jesus has done everything for us. It's his perfection, not ours. Right? It's his death on the cross so that we don't have to die. Our conscience is eased. When you trust Jesus, you are right with God. It's done. It's done. When religion makes you feel like you got to do, 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 the gospel comes in and says, it's done. It's done. And so this is part of what peace means, but you know what? That's just a small part of what peace means, actually, if you can believe it. Um, there's so much more to the Hebrew word shalom. Um, shalom is also a word that describes ultimate perfection. Okay? It's actually the way that God initially built the world. It's perfect peace with God. Right? It's perfect peace with every other person. It's perfect peace within ourselves actually appreciate who we are and not try to be something that we're not. Right? And then it's peace with the world. This is what, this is all that peace, this is all that shalom means. And this is the peace that God gives us when we believe in Jesus. This is the peace that Paul in prison offered to Timothy in this wonderfully ironic expression. So, and we got one more column that I want you to see. I want you to see how these words tell the story that God is telling in the Bible. Okay? When you think about grace, um, when you think about the story of the Bible, um, God's grace was shown in the beauty, God's favor. Like, God didn't make an ugly world that was drab and colorless, right? God built the world with variety, with art. God is an artist. Right? He built the world with variety, with color, with expression, with, with incredible diversity. Right? He builds the world this way, um, and he fills the world with his presence and with his blessings. God was, his favor is shown in creation. Right? We can see God's grace um, multiplied out, blessing the world before sin. And then... Um, what fits in between grace and mercy is the fall, right? The fall into sin where humankind rebelled against God, where humankind um, walked away from God and didn't go his route. Well, God's response to the fall was redemption, was mercy. Mercy is God's response to the fall, right? God's commitment, he promised that he would fix this. From the garden itself, he says to the woman, through your seed, your seed will crush the seed of the serpent. And so from that point in Genesis 3.15, God had promised that he would bring an end to the effects of sin in the world. And so if 
creation is Genesis 1 and 2. Redemption is Genesis 3 all the way to Revelation chapter 20. <laughs> right? That's redemption. And then peace. Peace brings fullness. Peace brings the consummation. Right? The fullness of all of God's blessings. They're coming. They're coming. Right? God is not done. Right? He is just beginning. He's just scratching the surface of the blessings that he has in store for his people and for the world. Right? What we long for is going to come true. Um, what this transitional storage facility is, it is a foretaste of the reality that when God is finished, no one will have need. No one will be left behind. No one will, will be without a home, without a community, without a group of people caring and supporting. Right? This is a foretaste of that. Like that's, a, that's a foretaste of God's kingdom here on earth. Right? And so, so what we see here, this is the story. This is creation, redemption, and then consummation. Grace, mercy, and peace tell the story of the Bible. They talk about the past. They talk about what God is doing about the present. And they tell us where the story is going. This is the story that Paul remembers as he's stuck in prison. Paul has been able to understand that in his situation, he is still living out this story. Paul knows that the decisions that he makes are actually part of God's story of redemption. Okay, are you with me with that? What am I saying here? That, that Paul is in this awful situation, in these awful circumstances. He is suffering. Paul knows that the way that he responds can be part of the story that God is telling, that his power can overcome anything the world throws at him. When you're suffering, in your suffering, this is not easy, okay? This stretches our faith. This pulls things out of us. It's kind of one of those things where I think you see it in other people and you wish it were true. But when it happens to you, you're like, yeah, 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 forget it. I'm not doing this. So let Paul invite you in the midst of your suffering to say, you know what? God is enough. He is in control. And I know where this is going. So I'm going to continue to honor him. I'm going to continue to make decisions to follow him. And by doing that, now your story becomes part of this story of redemption. Are you with me? Like, how exciting is that? I mean, part of the reason God wants us to know this story is because he wants you to get caught up in it. He wants the story of the Bible to become your story. He wants our church to be walking, living examples of creation, redemption, heading toward consummation. This is what we need. This is what we want. And this is what the gospel gives. Because the gospel gives us God's favor, his, his grace, his mercy, and his peace. So, next question, quickly. How much does the gospel give? Okay? How much grace? How much mercy? How much peace? Right? Is God kind of stingy now? Is he frugal kind of holding back, right? Are these blessings of grace, mercy, and peace, are these just like a trickle that comes to us? How much does the gospel give? 
How much does the gospel give? How much of God's grace and mercy and peace does God want you to experience in your life? Friends, this is a fountain in Houston, Texas. This fountain is amazing and inspiring. It's about 40 feet high, and it's shaped like a horseshoe. And so you can literally walk into the middle of this horseshoe and just be surrounded. Just be surrounded. Water on all sides, just creaming down repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Um, the mist from this fountain just fills. It's, it's like a bit of a cloud in this semicircle horseshoe, right? And as you stand there, it's, it's overwhelming, right? It's overwhelming. Like you look and you see, I mean, just to be able to see, like, friends, this is the gospel. This is God's grace and his mercy and his peace. This is the fullness of it. Like God is not frugal. He is not stingy. Um, God wants us to understand. He wants these words. We'll just keep playing it. He wants these words, grace, mercy, and peace, to tell the story of your life. Right? It's one thing to see it. It's another thing to hear it. There's just this roar. There's just this constant roar of the water crashing down. It kind of drowns out everything else as you stand there. Friends, grace, mercy, and peace. This is what God wants you to hear roaring in your ears as you live your life for him. Right? He wants you to remember mercy, peace, and grace. Right? Creation, redemption, consummation. God is for you, God is with you, and God will complete his work in you. Now, how do we know it's like this? Right? How do we know it's not a trickle? If you don't feel this flood right now in your life, how do you know that it's just that I'm lying? <laughs> how do you know that I'm telling the truth about this? Well, it's because of where this comes from. Right? Paul says it's grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is from God. So this is from God the Father. This is the God who is above and the God who is below. Okay? This is grace, mercy, and peace from the God who is in some ways apart from all of his creation and nothing ever surprises him. He lives in perfect peace and he shares his peace with you. But it's also the God below. It's also Jesus who came in the flesh and experienced all of the chaos, all of the overwhelm, all of the hurt, all of the suffering, and more than you've ever experienced. And he has passed through it into the calm waters and he gives you that peace by saying, this is what I have and it's coming. God in heaven and God on earth. The God who is for you became the God who is one of you. He died in your place and rose to give you the grace, the mercy, and the peace that brings eternal life, both now and forever. This is what the gospel gives. How much does it give? It gives it in abundance. It gives it in abundance. And what is remarkable, what is um, inspiring what compels us all 
is that the favor that we get from God, we get it because Jesus was disfavored. Jesus was forsaken so that we are never forsaken by God. Right? We are redeemed because Jesus paid the price. It's not what we do. It's not the good works that we do that earns this. We get this as a gift because God is gracious, because God is merciful. And because of that, we have his peace. With this, um, with this fountain, it's visually stunning and overwhelming in a wonderful way. And the roar continues. Like the roar just, um, you walk away from it and you can still hear it, right? Um, that's, that's, that's how God wants our lives with the gospel, okay? In a sense, worship, when we gather on Sundays, uh, when you read the Bible on your own and you worship God, you're getting to stand in the horseshoe, right? This is you getting it loud and clear, from our Father, all of his grace, his mercy, and his peace. God wants you to be able to continue to hear that roar when you enter into your life. It goes with you. It goes with you into your relationships. It goes with you into your workplace. It goes with you into your home, into your community. Right? You never want to get so far that you can't hear the echoes of grace, mercy, and peace. Because this is the story that God wants to tell in your lives. And you don't want to stray far from it. That's why, that's why it's a good thing to read your Bible. Right? I mean, it's not so that you can check off your box or feel like you're ahead or whatever. I mean, that's not what it's about, right? It's about getting back into the glory and remembering the amazing God that we worship and serve. The amazing gospel and all that we get from it. It's, by standing, it's about standing before the flood. And if you read the Bible and that doesn't happen for you, well then, talk to me. Talk to your life group. Talk to someone and, and learn how. Learn how to get to a place where when you read the Bible, you can worship and you can remember this story, right? We can't do this on our own. We all need to learn. This is what, a, heck, this is what discipleship is about. This is what we're going to start looking at next week, right? As we talk about how can we help each other uh, to get at this. Um, and so this is what God gives. This is what God, this is, this is what the gospel gives. This is how much the gospel gives. Our last question is then, therefore, what do you give? How much do you give? Paul is giving to Timothy what he has received. Paul has received grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul knows that it's part of his mission to make sure that Timothy gets it too. Paul knows that even though he's suffering, even though his life is awful, Timothy needs help. And so Paul reaches out. I mean, at sacrificing himself, not complaining about what is, you know, his own stuff. And he causes us to ask, yeah, what are you giving? What am I giving? God wants to fill up your cup, right? Psalm 23 says, my cup runs over. Right? God wants to fill you up so much, and then he wants to turn your cup into what? What does he want to turn your cup into? Into a pitcher, right? Into a funnel would be good too, Bill. Um, that was another illustration that I was thinking of. Um, remember, all the blessings that God gives to us come with two things. 
a handle on a spout. A handle on a spout. Because God wants you to experience his blessings so that you would have something to share. Friends, we have the greatest news in history. God is on your side. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God is inviting you back. Who can you share his grace with this week? Right, the promise of forgiveness. The promise that you can be bought out of what you're dealing with. God can give you strength and power. His love can change you so that you don't continue in the ways that you're going. Right, who do you know that needs to hear that? And then who can you look in the eye who's struggling and say, it's done. It's done. Jesus has done it all for you. Who do you know that needs to hear that more than anything else? Friends, we need to be giving out what we're getting. Sundays are to fill us up so that, guess what, if you feel empty on Saturday, that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe that's because you're giving out what you've been given. What would our lives look like? What would our church look like if you came to church on Sunday to give, to make sure that other people were getting grace, mercy, and peace? What would our life groups look like if you came not just because of what you get, but you came because you have something to give and other people need you? Think about work. Think about your home. Man, what would change if you embraced your mission and you experience this message and begin to share it with the people around you. Let's pray together.